0: Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. And we are super pumped to welcome back Taryn Hatcher, who was away in Hawaii visiting her old stomping grounds while also getting all the Flyers news as well, Uh, with a big time difference, obviously, Taryn Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card
2: member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: Taryn, let's get right into your thoughts on the Flyers off season And what was it like to kind of see it all unfold while in Hawaii? Yeah, it was wild because
2: the place that I was staying at too, it was like one of my friends from back there, they don't have a TV in the house and they actually have really bad Wi-Fi as well. So it was kind of like I would get to an area, I mean, the rest of Hawaii has cell phone service. That's not what it's like there. I'm sure most people know that. But like I would get to a good area and I remember I would have all of these notifications flooding in and every like my my boyfriend Austin was must uh, credit to him because I'd be like oh my gosh you know <laughs> they just got Ellis and then oh my gosh they you know they just made this move Kate Yandles coming to Philadelphia and like oh god and Cam back into, you know and just board has gone you know just going through the motions of like being that, and like you said, we're six hours behind out there. And so it was like stuff would break in the morning and you'd wake up to it and you'd kind of like rub the sleepies out of your eyes and, and look at it and be like, is this isn't really happening. Or am I dreaming right now? Like, this is crazy. Um, but yeah, Hawaii was amazing. I thought the moves, I, I mean, I had a feeling Chuck Fletcher was going to like, just absolutely take a jackhammer to everything and mix everything up and completely try to change and restructure what we know. Um, and he did do that. Like I, I just, I was a little bit off of social media, so it was kind of nice too, because I got to formulate my own opinions on things versus when you see everybody else jumping in. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys, I haven't really a, gotten a chance to catch up with everybody, but what do you feel like the public reception was to really the like the core of this team? And I know it's really Jake that they moved and and it wasn't like they moved Jake and Jay and this and that and the next thing, but it, it seems like for the first time in a very long time, someone has really committed to moving away from that core that we've known for like, the better part of the decade, it feels like.
1: Well, Taryn, it's interesting too. And, uh, you know, Jordan, I, I'm not sure if you agree, but I, I would say that Ryan Ellis' move, I thought was almost unanimous that everybody was behind that move. Um, I, I also feel like there's this little bit of pre existing pessimism, uh, <laughs> sort of anger that comes along with the Flyers fan base. Um, I mean, I know it's there. We've talked about it on this podcast. Taryn, you and I have discussed it in the newsroom during games with Scott Hart. There's everybody's it's like the, the New York jet fans from 10 years ago that hated every draft pick they made, even though they didn't know any player know anything about the players they were taking. I feel like everybody's just ready to get angry right away. And I felt like that second flurry of moves brought on this anger. And it was like, well, Cam Atkinson's got one more year left on his deal than Jake and Keith Yandel doesn't play any defense. And when you look at these moves, though, they're not bringing in Keith Yandel to be their top defenseman, to be like this stay at home defenseman. Cam Atkinson has a 40 goal season under his belt in this league, and it's not like he's an old player. So I think you could make the argument they're getting a better player. So why don't we focus on the better player part of it rather than the one more year? And by the way, the one more year it's coming at almost 3 million dollars less per year than Jake's contract this is everything that it, it's kind of everything we talked about that the flyers needed to do going into this offseason they needed to move a big deal they moved a big deal arguably if you consider gustav bear they moved two big deals i wasn't a huge fan of that one because they gave him away essentially for cap space so But I felt like there was a little bit of quick to jump to the pessimistic side of these moves at first. And then maybe people came around. I'm not, I'm not sure if you agree, Jordan.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny. I I thought the one trade that was unanimous in, in fans liking it was the Ryan Ellis deal, as you mentioned, Joe. And the funny thing about that is that was the one where they actually lost multiple players. Uh, The one trade that they lost two young players that I think you know, a good portion of fans liked and thought had upside and Philip Myers and Nolan Patrick. So the one trade that everyone really seemed to be on board with was that one. And that was the one where they really, I thought lost the most on the roster currently in terms of uh, being two young players uh, that weren't particularly expensive. Um, the other ones, obviously Shane Gosper is a tough one, but uh, you're getting cap relief and then Jacob Vorchek, You're getting a big player in return. It's just one player for one player. Uh, that was the one deal. Uh, that fans seem to like the most. But I think the overall perception among the fan base is that it was refreshing to see a general manager shake things up, to be active, to be proactive um, and aggressive before even free agency hit. So I think everyone thought there, wa- there was a shakeup that was needed and they were excited to see Chuck Fletcher do that. But I think a lot of people still have doubts that this team is better, but how much better is it? Um, is it a Stanley Cup contender? Is it going to be one of the best in the Metro I think there are still doubts out there, but um, we'll have to see. Time will tell, but there's without a doubt, uh, this is a new a new look, a new dynamic. and I think fans are embracing that. Taryn, I wanted to ask you, watching from afar in Hawaii and seeing these moves come in, we were all surprised back here in the Northeast. I'm sure you were surprised seeing them uh, happen. What one kind of caught you the most off guard or maybe uh, caught your eye the most?
2: Thank you handle? Honestly, yeah. I, think I I saw that and I honestly was just like, "What?" Like, but here's the thing. To your point, Jordan, and this is, uh, and and to Joe's point too. Actually, I think it was Joe who said it. I and this is why again. Like I said, I liked being out there. I liked not having great internet and being able to like look up these two guys, evaluate my opinion, and not have Twitter refresh all the time is I was looking at this and I was thinking to myself, he just built three, three D pairs deep. Cause you're talking about, you know, um, Proveroff and Ellis and Sandheim and probably Atkinson maybe. And then Yandel and so like, he's, he's building depth like all the way down. And then you're talking about a flyer team. We've discussed this many, many times. I, I know you can't always rely on just these guys got to turn it around. But offensively speaking, with the exception of, I would have loved to see the Flyers make a move to get Tyler Pitlick back to Philadelphia. The forward group, one year before last season and the weirdness that all of it was, and Kevin Hayes playing with a herniated disc and all the problems we learned about afterwards, had a really great season where they scored pretty evenly across the board, a lot of contributions, a lot of guys playing well. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it was like, I think they did make the moves where they needed to make moves. You couldn't really have Phil playing the way he was and and just hope and pray that he'll eventually become a pop, top pair defenseman. I think he eventually could, to be honest with you, but with where the Flyers are at right now and with the age of their players and who's peaking and at what points in their career, I think they couldn't really rely on that. Which is why Cam makes sense and Keith makes sense and Ryan Ellis makes sense. Um, but I think offensively. I mean, and this is the other thing, and I'm, I'm sure Chuck worded it in a much more professional way than I am. But if I'm Chuck, I'm saying, look at all these moves. Look at all these phone calls I made for, for you guys to have a team that should be good right now. You guys need to be good right now. The rest is on you. I feel like he put together a situation in which Claude Giroux, Kevin Hayes, um, you know, James Van Reeves, like Travis Connect, like these guys now, It's like, Hey, it's on you. You guys have the talent and we have the roster. We're not, we're not relying on certain people who need to take the step this year. These guys are proven Kim Atkinson is a proven guy. I mean, some of the reaction, when I talk to people now about Kim Atkinson, I'm like, did you read the right articles? Like, do you know who you're talking about? Because I think Chuck's put together a a good team that should be ready as a group to take that next step. You're not waiting on players individually to make certain strides and then hoping the team will follow. Um, which if I'm, if I'm a player and, and I've seen all the moves my manager made to make this team good like today, then it's, it becomes incumbent upon me to, to make the changes in my life that I need to make to be good today. So you'd hope that would be the ultimate outcome.
1: And you know what's funny, Tyron, a couple things to follow up on two of your points there. You mentioned the three D pairs deep. Also two power play units deep. You brought in two power play quarterbacks, Ryan Ellis and Keith Yandel, both guys that can handle quarterbacking a power play. The second thing I wanted to follow up on there is, um, you know, when you talk about Cam Atkinson and talking to Scott Hartnell, we had him on the podcast, but talking to him separate from the podcast, Cam Atkinson's scoring dropped off last year. If we remember... They had Pierre-Luc Dubois there who was setting him up for goals. They traded him for Patrick Laine who isn't setting up anybody for goals except for himself. So that's going to affect a guy's ability to score when you bring in Laine who's a, who's a shooter. I mean, it's like an NBA team bringing in a guy that shoots 25 shots a game and wondering why the other guys aren't scoring as much.
0: That can happen in
1: hockey too. And I think that happened with Columbus last year aside from just them struggling overall and down the stretch playing with what everybody seemed to understand was a lame duck coach in John Tortorella. It seemed to be definitive that he was gone after the season. So, I mean, that's not a great situation for a player to be in. You know, you're not scoring a lot of goals. You're not making the playoffs and you're giving up a ton of goals and your number one partner on your line that was setting you up for goals gets dealt for a guy who's a sharpshooter in this league. So, I mean, let's, let's have cam out there with Drew. Let's have cam out there with Kevin Hayes guys that can set him up and let's see what he can do. And like you said, Taryn, I see people and heard people saying a lot of things about cam Atkinson and I'm like, what? Okay. Where did you, where are you, where's this opinion coming from? I mean, the only thing I will say, as I was skeptical of, is why did why would Columbus do this deal? That's the part I couldn't figure out.
2: Yeah, same here. That was and that I was my can't thought. not figure it out. Yeah, that was my thought as well. And so apologies again on the uh, vacation brain here. I think I smashed my Keith Yandel Cam Atkinson thoughts together. Um, I I meant to say Cam up with the forward group with yeah. some of those guys, and then adding Yandel to the D pair group, which makes them solid three D pairs deep yeah. use my, as soon as you said that, I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I was the same Joe, I was in the same boat with you. When you're looking at, unless it's just that extra year that people here were complaining about, like the, the thought of Jake's contract and the extra money that comes with Jake that didn't come with Cam and Cam is still serviceable is an understatement at his position and like you said like the the line a effect and I know people I've talked to a lot of people about this because there was so much talk about line a affiliate at one point like it seems like the line a effect is is not that Patrick line a doesn't prove that he is a good hockey player but he goes to places in the team overall does not seem to take the leap they would expect And I think Cam, like you said, was a, like some collateral damage in that whole situation. Um, and his numbers were, but I'm with you. It's like, put, put Cam up with Kevin Hayes, two guys who like each other, two guys who have you imagine some chemistry together, two guys who are probably going to push each other during practice out of practice because they're buddy, like let there be new chemistry that develops because we've seen them run it back forward wise. So many times when Jake was here, like the default was always when nothing's producing, put Couturier drew and Jake on a line together. And then I've always kind of felt like it, it in the past, like season, especially season and a half, it's that lineup. I feel like tends to do a disservice to the other three lines. And now I think you're going to have to see, I mean, AV is more than willing to, put the dice, in the Yahtzee Cup, mix it up. We all know that. But I think you're going to see like a team that at their infrastructure is rebuilt. So we'll see.
0: Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Brantley. Stop into Great Brantley for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Yeah, I think an emphasis of this off season was rebuilding the back end and that's how contending teams win. they are strong on the back end from their D pairs to the, to the goaltender. And I think that was the Flyers focus. I think what Taryn said was spot on with, I think Chuck Fletcher really believes in his forward groups. I think he, he believes the forwards can play better. They can play more 200 foot hockey. And I think that was uh, shown in his moves. He brought in Cam Atkinson, but lost a Ford in Jacob Voracek. But other than that, the forward group is mostly the same. There's going to be good competition. And we do forget Like Taryn alluded to in 2019-20, they were seventh in the league in goals per game during the regular season. That was without Nolan Patrick the entire year. That was without Oscar Lindblom for the final 39 games. And that was with Shane Gossesper having a hellish season uh, defensively, and we know the offensive firepower he can provide. I think there's more offensive punch now on the back end, and you have a guy in Cam Atkinson who loves to shoot, loves to score, as Joe mentioned, has a forty goal season so uh, on his resume. So I don't. I, I think the Flyers have the ability to score goals. I don't think they were worried about this team scoring goals as much. I think they knew they could score goals. We saw it in stretches last season. The biggest issue was keeping the puck out of your net, and I think they did a lot. They had they made a lot of moves that really hit on those areas: goal prevention, penalty kill, uh, building from the back end. I think the Flyers did that. Um, so let's get into all these additions, there's a number of them, as we all know, Rasmus Ristelainen, Ryan Ellis, uh, Keith Yandel, Martin Jones, Nate Thompson, and of course, Cam Atkinson. If we're eager, if we're most eager to see one of these guys, who would it be, Joe? I will start with you. The addition you're most eager to see, and maybe the guy that can be most impactful in your eyes.
1: I'm going to say Cam Atkinson, and it's for the simple reason that, I don't remember the last time the Flyers had a guy that had the potential to score this many goals. Um, you know, Drew and Voracek; these guys are facilitator type players, um, and Sean Couturier really is a a, a Mister Everything for this team. Cam Atkinson is a goal scorer, and I don't remember the last time the Fly- maybe Danny Briere, but I mean Danny Briere didn't score forty goals here, so uh, you know. Back in the early 2000s, or in the early 2010s, you had Jeff Carter, you had Scott Hartnell, who would approach the upper 30s a couple times. You know, those guys were goal scorers, Um, but I'm really eager to see if you put Cam Atkinson on a a line with the Kevin Hayes, with the Claude Giroux, as you mentioned, what he can do in terms of putting the puck in the net, and, you know... That to me is that that's the one thing I'm looking forward to. I would also say just those two power plays with quarterbacks because I really felt like in the times when Shane Gossesfair wasn't on the top of his game, the Flyers didn't have a power play quarterback because I Provo really only played one side of the ice, and you know he didn't move the offense around in the zone on the power play the way a true power play quarterback would. And I feel like now the Flyers have two of them. So I'm interested in seeing that. And Cam Atkinson's obviously a part of that as well.
0: 100%. Taryn, how about you? What what addition are you most eager to see?
2: I'm going to go for one of those defensemen that I meant to bring up in the defensive conversation that I did not bring up in the defensive conversation, which is Ristolainen. I'm honestly – I'm really excited to see where he slots in. I'm actually very interested to see how these D pairs break down – and who ends up with, I would suppose, Sandheim on the second D pairing. Um, because A, I, I mean, it's, he's six foot four, should be physical, does have some skill. I would love to see what he can do when you get him away from Buffalo, because Lord knows that situation. You can talk to anybody around the league. It's just, it's tough on those players and what they went through, especially last year. It's tough on those players. So I'd like to see if he can flourish maybe out of that situation. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a young guy that should be a, a guy who can make an impact. And I would like to see someone be physically imposing defensively, get involved physically, especially you lose Phil, who he was listed at six foot four, but it's like closer to probably a six foot five, but a leaner guy. I want to see someone pair up with especially if you can get Ristolainen and Sandheim together on a D pairing. I think it would be interesting to see that physicality. Like you come out, and you've got the skill of Ryan Ellis and Provorov on that first D pair. And then all of a sudden you're dealing with these two big giant defensemen on their on the flyer second D pair. I would be very curious to see how that pans out. Um yeah I would just like to see what he can do, quite frankly, away from Buff. I mean it's very hard to judge a player based on how things went in Buffalo. It's just, it is difficult and it's, I, I, it gives me hope that he can come here and, and the team can be better than what he was able to help Buffalo do. But I, when I saw that name pop up, I'm like, Ooh, some, a young physical defenseman who can play defense uh, let's see what he can do.
0: Yeah. I, I have to agree with Taryn too. I, I was thinking Rasmus for because I think <laughs> he's already become a polarizing figure among fans on, on Twitter. Um, and I think the upside, the the upside and, and the downside of it can be can really vary. Um, it was he a byproduct of the situation in Buffalo. Can he be a lot better with maybe lesser minutes, uh, better coaching, more stability? Could he be the first round pick that was uh, that he was that top ten pick in that draft? Was he eighth? Yeah, eighth overall. Yeah. So a lot of upside there, and I think he's could could still be reaching it. Or is he maybe the guy that he was in Buffalo? And will people be dreading that, that trade uh, next season? Uh, because obviously they did give up a first-round pick for him. Uh, they gave up a defenseman for him and another, another draft pick. So it was, a, it was a big trade to get him, a big haul to get him. But I think the Flyers are banking that their environment is going to be a lot better than what it was in Buffalo and uh, that he can be really effective here, not only next season, but, but in the future.
2: Do you think he pairs with Travis?
0: I do, Taryn. Um, I think that's the obvious pair to me in terms of the lefty right. Uh, I think Joe brainer has Ellis on the top, and I think Keith Yandel Braun would make sense. Uh, But it wouldn't terribly surprise me if that second and third pair could switch a little bit. Um, But I I would like to hit on Ryan Ellis. If I I had to change things up in terms of uh, differing from you and Joe, I think Ryan Ellis will be a big guy to watch because – he might be the most crucial of them all. Can he be that Matt Niskanen type of player for the Flyers? Um, he did have Roman Yossi. He did have Matthias Ekholm in Nashville. Can he be a top pair, number one type of guy, the, the big-time compliment to Ivan Provorov? I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Ryan Ellis' shoulders to stay healthy and, and to really provide the Matt Niskanen value that the Flyers were seriously, seriously missing last season. We saw what – One one void could do to a team. It it, it impacted the Flyers across their entire defensive core, and it made them drop from the seventh best team in the league in goals against to literally dead last. Uh, The drop-off was staggering. I think Ryan Ellis will be the biggest guy in terms of changing that and pushing this team forward. So what will Ryan Ellis be? Will he be the number one? I think that will be a big question too. So that's a guy I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, I
1: I think Ryan Ellis is, I mean, and we talked about this when they first got him. Um, He has to be that number one guy, right? If he does, if he's not, then this team's in trouble again. I mean, and there's a couple other factors, too, that we we haven't really got into. And and maybe maybe they're obvious. You could add every player you want to, but so much of this season is going to come down to Carter Hart. It really is he has to have a bounce back season. And if he doesn't um, all this kind of, I I don't want to say it would be for naught, but it's, if we go through another season like last year with the goaltending situation that they had last year, like it's, it's going to be problematic. And particularly because I'm, I'm not the biggest believer in Martin Jones. I said it when they signed him, I, I just, I felt like Brian Elliott was a better option than Martin Jones. Now, I'm sure Brian didn't anticipate playing as much as he played last season. So, again, that has to be a big factor going in. Martin Jones cannot play as much as Brian Elliott, Brian Elliott played last season or this team is in trouble. But, you know, everything's got to go hand in hand. Their additions have to mesh. The goalie has to be better. And Chuck Fletcher's acknowledged it as much every time he's talked. How many times have we heard him say, the guys we have we have here, they have to be better. The yeah. the accountability for the guys that are already here. And, Taryn, you alluded to it earlier with Jeru and Me and those sort of guys. It's on you guys now. We went and we reshaped this roster. But the guys that are here, they all have to be better. To a man, everybody has to be better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a perfect yeah. segue into the our, our next topic. And, Taryn, I'll ask you, Joe hit on some of his concerns that he has. Uh, there are concerns. I, I think some people now how much better this team is. It looks better on paper, but will it be better if you have some concerns going into next season with this roster? What, what would it be?
2: Um, it, This is less of a concern about this roster, and it was more a concern about last year and something that they needed to address, and I kind of um, I I got to thinking about it when I was, and I know I always reference this, when I was listening to Elliot Friedman's podcast, which is if you want to like a scope on the whole league um, and all of the moves going on, the entire league is a great listen, but he was, he was pointing out. And I thought it was very interesting that all the guys Chuck Fletcher brought in are character guys, their chemistry in the dressing room, guys, they're, they're, we, not me guys. And Elliot had mentioned, and he said in his podcast, there's nothing that prompted him to this other than just seeing the changes Chuck made but it makes you question if whether or not last year Chuck felt like the guys really wanted to play for each other or, or there was really that drive. Like I want to win for the guy next to me. Even if I'm having a bad day, I want to win for him. And that was a huge, huge calling card of the Flyers team a year before that had success was they were always playing for each other. They were playing for their situation with Oscar. They were playing for everything going on with Nolan. Like there's a lot of that. And Al and I even got into it on pregame was, whenever there was a game where there was that like extra plot line involved, the team played well, but Al was saying, sometimes your plot line just has to be, we need to win a hockey game tonight. You can't always have these extracurriculars being your driving force. And you look at some of the guys that he brought in. I mean, I look at just Ryan Ellis and the way he handled his interview with us. And I know there are certain people who like read into certain things, certain way, but Ryan Ellis gave me very much a similar kind of vibe to the first time that I met Matt Niskanen. And it was just like, I just want to play hockey and I just want to win hockey games and I'm not really into the rest of this and just kind of even, even keeled, even surface all the way through. And, and I wonder if like, if that decor needs that, if they need a Keith Yandel who has played a bajillion games and, you know, has that Iron Ironman streak and is an older veteran guy who's kind of seen it all dealt with it all, whatever. And we saw the way the reaction went down last year, when there was a talk of breaking keith's ironman streak so it makes you think that maybe his teammates like respect him a little bit or something um so the concern for me is that they need to play more for each other this year especially hey let's call a spade a spade like the world is changing all over again right now who even knows what this season is going to look like i have hopes that things will get better people will get vaccinated and the world will keep on turning but um you really don't know and you're going to need a team that can mentally deal with that. And I think it's very evident last year, the flyers mentally did not handle that situation. Well, Um, but to Joe's point, a big part of that was, was that Carter Hart didn't handle it well. And um, there have been rumors and murmurs that last year, they were trying to start some contract talks with Carter. And I'm sure this year they're only going to try to have more contract talks with Carter. So it's also like important for Carter himself to kind of, up or shut up here because one fluky year during covid that was weird that was a 60 what was it, 56 game sprint like yeah. i think most people at some point will be willing to write that off as weird but only if you bounce back and so that second part has to happen and it has to happen consistently and, and like Joe said, if you're making all these moves and Carter just comes back and he can he can make these wild, crazy saves, but he kind of can't stop pucks right in front of him or he can't stop those big bounces off his pads, it, it is kind of all for nothing. But we'll see. The guys just have to have more investment in each other, and, and Carter has to reinvest in himself, I think, is the two main issues.
0: That's a major storyline. Chuck Fletcher even admitted it. I thought his comments were were pretty piercing in the, in the sense that There was a malaise around the team last year. Nobody smiled. Like that was pretty surprising to me given how well the season went in 2019-20. Why did it change so quickly? Now, a lot of that was outside factors, the COVID season, uh, what the team went through with their own COVID stoppage, um, all the adjustments you have to make as humans in in the world of COVID. So that could have had a lot to do with it. But it was weird because I thought there was a sense of newness in 2019-20 with the coaching staff, with some additions, and then – quickly staleness kind of crept back in and really brought these changes. But uh, that will be a major storyline is how these, these guys develop and uh, build chemistry together. Uh, I'm with Joe. I think if there's one question in my mind and one concern, it's, it is goaltending. I think I don't worry about them scoring goals as much. I think there's 30 goal potential across the roster. Like Travis Konechny has 30 goal potential. Sean Gatoria has scored scored 30 plus goals in his career. James Van Riems like has done it. Cam Mackinson. So I don't, I don't really fear the team scoring goals. I think they're better on the back end defensively. Uh, goaltending would be the one thing. Carter Hart bouncing back and looking like himself again. And then you have a guy, Martin Jones, who is uh, 31 and trying to prove that he's not on the decline uh, after two real subpar seasons in San, San Jose. So there are some questions on the, at, at probably the most important position in hockey. People always say goaltending, most important position in hockey. I think there's some answers there that need to uh, to be shown. And I will say this. I do have some concerns about chemistry on the back end as well. That's three new defensive pairs. How quickly can they develop chemistry on all three of those pairs? Uh, if they struggle to do that early on in the season, we, we've seen slow starts derail seasons. Uh, so uh, that, that is one thing I will keep an eye on, the new defensive pairs, how quickly they mesh. Taryn, go ahead.
2: Please, nice teacher. Can I speak?
0: Um,
2: yeah. Uh, sorry, Jordan. I did not mean to cut you off, but okay. that did prompt a great point And something I hadn't thought about before is while, yes, they need to develop that chemistry early and kind of figure out who slided with who, one of the biggest defensive issues and one of the biggest question marks last year that, you know, I even talked to Mike Yell about, and he admitted was like a, a issue they were hoping would kind of, not solve itself, they were actively trying to solve it, but just the the personnel wise, they were like, how is this gonna shake out? Was the fact that they did not have three set defense pairs last year. They wanted to have, they wanted what they had in 2019, 2020. This guy with this guy, they work well together. This guy with this guy, they work well together. This guy with this guy, they work well together. And they didn't have it last year. And I think if you talk to anybody within the organization, they will tell you it had a negative impact on the defense as a whole. It especially had a negative impact on what Ivan Provorov can do, the way Travis Sandheim handled his season. Um, So I think while you may be dealing with that initial getting over the hump of getting to know each other, the fact now that they should have really three defensive pairs, no matter how they shake out, you assume Ellis and Provorov at the top, maybe Ristalainen with Sandheim if you want to go big in the middle like they did with Sandheim and Myers, and then like Yandel and Braun or something, you know, whatever on that back end, you've got three defensive pairs all of which should be very serviceable defensive like keith yandel and justin braun are not like a a terrible third defensive pair here so um I, i think that initial kind of like courting and getting to know each other of the season may not be the prettiest, but that the overall outcome should be much more desirable than what they were dealing with before, which goes without saying, but you just, I'm sure they did not want to get in that situation. Like they had last year again, where it's like, essentially they were just like Proby stays at the top. Sandheim stays at the second D pair and everybody else is just, you know, playing musical chairs to try to slot around those two. Um, if not moving Sandheim up next pro Roth, and this year that shouldn't really seem to be an issue.
1: And Jordan, I'll, I'll just follow up by saying, and and, you know, I'm going to borrow a thought from Al Morgani here, and we've talked about this on the podcast uh, several other times. We need to stop with the Travis Sandheim's a young player. He's got a lot of experience in this league. He is not a young player anymore, and this needs to be a huge year for him to establish his, himself as a second pair of defenseman. It just, it has to happen. And it has to happen now for Travis Sanheim, Um, you know, former first round pick and, you know, 25,
2: like he's 25 years old. You're not young. 22 is young. 23. You're still, you get away with young. I think once you hit 24, 25 in the world, you are young in the world of hockey. Figure it out. Yeah. Right.
1: And when you've played as many hockey games as he's played, you know, it, it it's got to be now, now or never. And you know that that's not an original thought. That was an Al Morgani thought last year in the newsroom with us about Travis Sanheim, and it's just it, it it's dead on. It has to happen.
0: It is. It, it is spot on. And we're seeing Travis Sanheim right now, uh, obviously in contract negotiations with the Flyers. The Flyers elected for salary arbitration, so there is a hearing set on August twenty sixth. Whether the, the team and Sanheim eventually get to that hearing, uh, we will see. They can negotiate and strike a deal. But it's kind of crazy because Sanheim set himself up on this two-year bridge contract to set himself up for that next deal. He had a really good first year of that contract. And then last season just did not go his way. And now there's probably a big, um, there, there's probably a big difference in where they see he is on the years of his contract, the money, all of it. Um, if he had a big year this year, this past season, probably would have been a no-brainer. He would have been due for you know a big raise and, and a nice new contract. But now there's probably some differing uh, in between uh, the negotiations. So, yeah, Sanheim needs to step up and be ready to go next season. Uh, it'll be a big year. He'll obviously have a new contract, and there's going to be a lot of competition within the d uh, where people are going to be jockeying for minutes and rolls, too. So,
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring...
0: Big season, no doubt. I'll throw in a fun bonus question real quick. We don't have to wax poetic on it, but are the Flyers a playoff team right now in your mind? Taryn, I'll start with you.
2: Why? Why? Do I had do to. It?
0: I had to do it. Um,
2: I'd say yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd say yeah. I, I would have said. sorry, my mom hates when I say yeah. I would say yes. <laughs> um, but, I mean, quite frankly, with the per, even with the personnel they had last year, they should have been a playoff team. They just didn't play up to expectations. So I think they've improved their roster. Um, The real—it's just this year. I think you're going to learn a lot about players as individuals in terms of who's come, who's who comes back, ready to play, and how they play, and mentally where they seem like they're at in terms of playing for their teammates. But personnel-wise, this should be a playoff team. And if they're not, I think unless there's craziness happening in the world, in which case I think we all have to like put things into perspective. Um, I think it, it's going to be pretty evident who put in work this off season and really took last season personally. Um, but I have hope for this year. Yeah, that, And, Jordan, yeah, and Jordan,
1: I'm going to say, yes, they are with the caveat that Carter Hart is a better than serviceable goaltender um that we get more of the Carter two years ago than the one from last year because the one from last year again to go back i, I don't care who the roster is in front of you a, a playoff team can't have that kind of goaltending so that would be my caveat for whether or not they're a playoff team but yes they are assuming Carter has a bounce back year
0: yeah, spot on. He, Joe, he will be so crucial to that. They, they were last in the league in save percentage. Just, you're just not going to win a goaltending like that. If they got even somewhat close to league average goaltending last season, uh, maybe they are a playoff team. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to agree. I think it's a playoff team. Um, I, there's so much to prove and to be done, but I think they are better on paper. I like what Chuck Fletcher did. Um, I think he hit on all the key areas that they needed to get better at. And um we will see. But uh, yeah, the, the pressure is on to to be a playoff team, to show it, to prove it. Uh, but I think Chuck Fletcher did his part. It'll be up to Alain Yo, and company to to mold this team into an actual playoff team. The Flyers have not missed the playoffs in consecutive years since the early 90s. Um, so that tells you a lot. Uh, it tells you all about the pressure of getting back into the playoffs. Well, Joe Forrest and Taryn Hatcher, thank you so much, Taryn. Great to see you. Great to catch up with you. Joe, I you look very tangy, You got the Hawaii glare on, you know. I have Hawaii that- white glare. Yes. Yeah,
2: white it... glare. You mean glow?
1: Glow, glare is the same Hawaii thing, glare. right? No, glare is this. This is glare. Right? <laughs> 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 or my general, uh, my, my general, uh, my general, you know, ghostly white uh, Irish exterior. G-
2: I was, I was sitting here still feeling really embarrassed that I meant to be talking about Rasmus Ristelainen and I said Cam Atkinson's name when talking about Travis Sandheim, but then he said I have a Hawaii glare and now I don't feel bad anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there's no doubt Terrence Hawaii glare makes up for me and Joe and our paleness here, so uh, that's a good sunscreen,
2: thing. Sunscreen I'll give you some 50. of my melanin, guys. Don't worry yeah. about it.
1: Sunscreen 50 all, all summer long.
0: Oh,
2: 100%. No. I, put on, I put on like that body oil that's essentially Crisco and it just fry. <laughs> <laughs> let this olive skin do its thing, baby.
0: There you go. That's that's how you produce the Hawaii glare uh, or glow. Uh, but, no, it's it's right with the Hawaii glare now. I okay. know. Exactly. I'm going to say that a lot now. Uh, <laughs> but no, seriously, so great to talk with you guys. Love having the crew back. And we'll have so much more to talk about throughout this August. As we gear up for September, before we know it, I think training camp is going to be here truly. So we're excited for it. But great chatting with you guys. Big time. Thanks and big time. Thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer and a big time. Thank you. Of course, to flyers fans for listening to this flyers talk podcast presented by great railing, wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.